to Disjointed. Our podcast mission is to bring a voice to the problems facing decision-making in the built environment. Today, communication and processes are disjointed in the world of design and construction. Work happens across tools, teams, and timelines, making it hard to keep everyone connected. It's a constant challenge to reduce friction and meet project expectations. We believe there's a better way. Well, thanks for tuning in again. This is your host, Jeff Sample, and we're here with another episode of Disjointed. I'm really excited to be joined by Randy Heron from TD Industries. Randy, say hello. Introduce yourself. Hi, Jeff. Hi, everybody. It's nice to be here. Well, it's great to have you. We had the opportunity to meet at Advancing Prefab, and you were on a fantastic panel. And I just wanted to you know, let everybody know what you do at TD Industries, kind of what your progression has been there. Yeah, so I've been at TD for over 25 years. I started on the operations side of the business. I started as a project manager and eventually ran our new construction group uh, in Houston. And then at some point, uh, about three years ago, is when I asked if I could switch to the construction technology and manufacturing side of the business, because I really do believe that the future is, you know, has to do with digital transformation, starts in the model, and then how you utilize that model to build in an off-site way. So... I've been lucky enough to be able to work with the construction technology and manufacturing size of our business, as well as start up a modular uh, division as well. So current title is Senior Vice President of Construction Technology and Manufacturing, but it kind of encompasses a bunch. Seems like it's a little bit of everything when you get onto that side of things with change, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I like this because we wanted to cover a few things. And as you know, as the listeners know about Disjointed is technology is a key to a lot of change, but it's really about process. It's really about the organization and it's really about understanding what's happening in the industry. So that's really where I wanted us to start because you really represent a large trade, trade contractor that's about to go through this transformation. So talk about what's happening and why you would want to go from the new construction over to say that manufacturing side of things. Yeah, the manufacturing and technology side, because I do believe that, you know, the future demands a digital solution. The birthplace of data is in the model. And so really working with NTD Industries to build a center of excellence of all of our different BDC teams to come together and, you know, align through processes and structure so that we can support that digital future that we're talking about. And, you know, just implementing all of the um, parts and pieces and things to set us up to be in a really good place to be able to aggregate data and understand and make real decisions based on real data uh, for the first time in a long time or ever, really. I would say ever in the construction yeah. industry. <laughs> um, and, and, and in a lot of others. I mean, I, I think the rise of data is, it's not like we're that far behind from some perspective. Sure, we're behind from some others. But what I wanted to dig into there was, what does that transformation mean? I, I know that it's model-driven, data-driven, but the products themselves that trade contractors are delivering are going to change. So if if I was an owner or general contractor listening in and I wanted to know what it, what is that like, talk to me about what that transformation really includes from a deliverable perspective. From a deliverable perspective, it's about certainty. So being able to have an estimate model and being able to have your BIM model, be able to understand from a database perspective that links the two of those models, you know, where you started from, where you ended up, 
you know, to be able to have that kind of information at that level we've never had. And then also to be able to take that data within the model and and help it inform your strategy for offsite manufacturing and actually streamline and go directly from the model via technology into your manufacturing process that's actually creating automated bills of material. So we're 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 reducing the amount of effort and um, to I guess from a personal perspective, from having people do hand takeoffs and whatnot. I mean, we've got a fully a, a full model that has the data that generates our bills of material that helps generate the plan. And so it's kind of shifting within that to be able to where do we put people now? How do we realign our processes to to get us where we need to be with with that infrastructure that we've created. So I don't know if I answered your question exactly. So if you want something else to come back at me to clarify, let me know. Yeah, well, no, I really like that because you're because you're describing the transformation. You're describing, I mean, keywords right there were certainty, right? Mm-hmm. That certainty is not only for you, but that certainty is for your general contractor for that owner of the building, right? Right. right. So how can we provide? a model-based estimate that provides you, you know, the granular data that you need to have the trust and certainty that it's accurate. And uh, talk to me a little bit about offsite manufacturing. I, I think people, people believe that it's like this, all of a sudden we're going to be building cars, like buildings, like we build cars in an entire factory. That That's really not what you're doing. Talk to me a little bit about that deliverable and, and why it's even important for this process and this transformation. Yeah, so we've had a manufacturing shop for over 40 years. We manufacture our own sheet metal, piping, and plumbing components. So, you know, we have automatic workflows that go straight from the model into manufacturing so that we can build cut to fit. We can build spools, you know, however it needs to be delivered for that particular project. And you said we're not building cars like you mentioned, but we do have the ability for advanced modular components as well. And again, it's all model driven because we're based on a database that has the information about the price and the labor to install. So labor to to build in manufacturing and to install in the field. So um, it's it gets, it's pretty much it's a whole lot more sophisticated than we used to be. But it gives us that price certainty because our database for every part and piece, which is over 60,000 items in our database of every, you know, one inch copper 90 that we install or every, you know, piece of cast iron pipe that all has labor and material tied to it. So as we move that into manufacturing, we automatically have an estimate that's generated based on that spool that's moving into manufacturing that says, this is how long it's going to take you to build it. And here's your bill of material to build it. So cost and labor. And as that moves into the field, then to be able to have their labor install information ready for them. So I said, it's it's much more of, um, like we said, we've said certainty a long time, but a cost certain model than we've had in the past. It's a cost certain model and it's transparent. And it's like you said, you got manufacturing that there is this misnomer that we haven't been, that we haven't been manufacturing and offsite manufacturing for a long time. We, we really have, but this is, 
but sort of mishmashing it into the deliverable from a cost certainty perspective, from a model perspective, and just kind of doing what we're doing. This is integrating those workflows, creating a set of transparency and visibility. And you're right, we're getting bigger and bigger. That's the beauty. I mean, we won't ever build a building in a in a factory, but we're getting a lot closer to building really big Legos that came right. pre-assembled. Right. And that's really what we're working on a lot right now is just that productization within our core business is how do we, you know, design a custom line of products that like Legos can be used throughout all of our projects. You know, what can we do that with? What pump skids can we build that are similar? Uh, what components within plumbing systems or piping systems can we build on a larger scale? Because, you know, everybody, construction is such a risky business. Um, you, you know, you add the price escalation issues to it right now that we're all experiencing and it becomes even more or exponentially risky. And so you, by operating from a place of certainty and data, you can de-risk that. You understand more about your escalation, understand more about your labor. Um, that's just a really, really important part of the future is leaning into that offsite manufacturing, leaning into bigger modular pieces, because one of the things that everybody's struggling with too is just the secular trends on labor coming into this industry. And so do we necessarily have a labor problem or do we need to solve our manufacturing or offsite manufacturing problems? Yeah, we kind of have to solve both, right? And there's, and and I like the way you you talked about that with the larger pump skids, with the larger things that can be reused. There, I had a talk in early season or the end of season one with Charlie Dunn about, you know, we don't look at the industry as an enterprise. You know, globally, we don't do that from a data perspective, and we don't do it from an installation and productization perspective, and you know. Buildings are unique. Every building is a snowflake in some way, shape, or form, but a lot of the parts and pieces, well, we need them to be reusable because that gives you all an economy of scale and attacks both of those problems, supply chain and the volatility and also labor and, and labor shortages that, that, quite frankly, haven't changed in years and aren't going to. Right. So- right. You kind of nailed it for people uh, trying to consume it. So you got right where I was hoping you would. But let's get to the real hard part of this. You made the jump. And I, I like the way you put this. Um, you went from a place of trust with the organization after years of being in construction. And that significantly changed when you made that move for yourself in the organization. Talk a little bit about that um, and explain to people listening what that's like. Yeah, so right now, um, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of change everywhere. It's really been interesting through through um, the last few years of change that everybody's been experiencing. Um, and at the same time that we are corporately going through a new ERP implementation. So new processes, new computer system, new way that everybody's doing everything. And then within that, that span of great change, I'm also saying let's shift to a data-led model-driven strategy, which, you know, I'm moving somebody's cheese. I'm changing the game a little bit. I'm, I'm changing the processes in the way that we normally go and do business. And so I'm also asking them to believe in a data strategy and uh, when that change is hard. And, you know, it's like a three-legged stool. You know, you've got 
the, the model, you've got manufacturing and you've got construction operations. You know, I need all of those to be on the same page, to have the same alignment and the same ownership of the problem that we're trying to solve. And I'm working really, really hard to solve a data problem, but what they want to solve are different problems. You know, they want to be operationally excellent in the midst of all of this chaos and change, but I'm making it more chaotic and more change. And so I think that was my biggest problem of, you know, being at a leadership level with those leaders making decisions on what to do for the business and having a super trusting relationship because I used to be on the construction side of the business and, you know, it was, we were working really hard together and then I switch and then they're like, Whoa, we don't really know about this change, you know? And um, I think to me, getting my head around the definition of ownership and alignment helped, helped me understand what was going on internally with that internal friction but ownership is the degree to which a person or a team feels the problem you're trying to solve is theirs. Did they feel like they needed a data strategy? You know, an alignment is the degree to which a person or a team feels that the proposed way forward is the path they would choose. You know, so, you know, I think if I'm looking back on it to, to do it all over again would have been more transparent through the whole process. It was just kind of like a perfect storm of, everybody going to work from home and pandemic and ERP and oh by the way we're going to throw a data transformation on top of that. So I think there was just a lot going on and it was real it was really eye opening to see I can see the future. I know what's going to be great out of the data strategy. I know uh, really pouring more uh, effort into planning so you have a better model is the way to go. But everybody else has other things that they're dealing with too. And so that discomfort of losing a little bit of trust there just had me think deeper about, well, what about me isn't facilitating this change the way it needs to happen. And I actually personally went and hired a coach just to have somebody to talk through because this is, you know, big transformative change and it's not something you go through all the time. Uh, it was nice to have a different set of ears and opinions to, to help me out. Well, I think that's great advice. And I think you really captured that transformation, the pieces that they needed in the transformation and exposed some of the, the real reality behind it. I, I, I like that. You know, when you first think about it, you, you know, you think you're like, oh, I went from the, from the home team to the away team and now I'm the enemy, but you weren't the enemy. You, you realized in looking at yourself and getting the coach that you, you create a disruption inside and that's, and change is difficult. Right. And, and, and I love that you looked at the ownership and alignment and trying to bring them together. I'm sure that that took a bit of time and granted, I think the coach helped. So, um, I, it, it really sounds like that. And what advice would you give to other leaders? I mean, obviously getting that coach and, and some of those things, is there other things that in hindsight you would do differently in making that transformation happen? Yeah, just engaging leadership earlier I get just making sure that the alignment was there that they that they were interested in solving what they said they were interested in solving at the time but my spin on it might be different than what <sighs> what it was years ago when we said hey there this is the direction this is the roadmap this is the path we want to be on but when it starts to materialize you know it's just like hey is this really what we agreed on and just having that more connection and I really do feel that if we hadn't have been in the middle of a pandemic, 
you know, and, and everybody moving in different directions, I think that would have been easier to do. We would have had, you know, more, more consistency in our leadership meetings and whatnot. And I, I think that would have helped, but change is hard and over communicating and meeting just to make sure that, that the path we're on is still the path that everybody wants to be on. That's something I would have changed and been more transparent and open and connected through all of that. No, I think that's great advice. I do think you're right. You took on a heck of a change during a really difficult time to stay connected during the pandemic. Um, it, it, while there was an amazing silver lining in the digitization and the ability to use tools and work remotely and get more comfortable, people were already uncomfortable in their seats. So now you're going to throw something else at them. Yeah, I, I think you took on a big one, but it was a critical time for for a trade contractor and for one of your size to really take this on, especially seeing as you want to grow down the route of modular, grow down the route of you know doing more offsite manufacturing. Well, and something uh, that, that I didn't really mention at the beginning, but TD Industries is an employee-owned company. And so the reason that we're in business is to provide careers for the people that work here. So I think I have a fiduciary responsibility as well as the other leaders at TD to keep growing and expanding and serving the contractor community in the built environment in the best way we can. But also, you know, that responsibility to grow and provide additional career opportunities. So really expanding, you know, what is the future of construction going to be? And a big, big part of it is offsite manufacturing and digital. So how do you expand in a healthy way to add a different additional um, additional jobs for people, you know, to be able to, to look at where they are in the company right now and say, Hey, that is a really interesting part of the business that I'd like to be a part of, you know, and to be able to have those jobs and those careers for people long-term and just continued growth. Well, you hit on a couple of things. The, the employee owned piece is that, you know, a lot of companies are digging their heels in right now, some family owned, some not family owned, but they're actually losing ground consistently because they're dug in on the old way of doing things. And your fiduciary responsibility and your responsibility as a, you know, as an owner in the company from that perspective is to keep up the change, keep up that market oh. share. Yeah. And, and, you know, I really hadn't heard it also of, then also adding new career paths to the other employees that are there. We think about those folks creating them themselves, but you're talking as an organization of creating an entire new digital world where people can explore different opportunities. Yeah, digital and offsite manufacturing that then add back to our base business, you know, re you know increasing the certainty, reducing the risk. Uh, getting getting fewer deliveries to a job site because you've your your offsite manufacturing strategy is allowing you to ship bigger pieces. You know, so it's just creating the efficiencies in the work that we do have and that's ongoing. That's awesome. Creating efficiencies, creating more value, growing the business, and also providing a better product in the end. Because not that there was anything wrong with the product before, but increased predictability. Right. That increases that value of that product. Increased certainty. Increased transparency into understanding what it takes also allows general contractors and owners and others to consume those products more confidently. And we, quite frankly, we need that as an industry because that drives us all forward. And it, it's an interesting play that you have in this. Uh, as a trade contractor, I don't look at the up and down like most people do. I like to look at this as you know, a bunch of different groups that are 
pulling that rope in the same direction. It's nice to see you all doing that. Yeah. And, you know, I've been talking about data and technology and offsite manufacturing a lot, but I don't want to lose the, that the construction is still a people centered business. And I'm not trying to say we need to reduce the amount of people we have. I think that we just need to arm the people that we have with data to make the best decisions that they can, thus reducing our risk. Yeah, I agree with you. We are a people-centered business. We will always be a people-centered business. We don't have enough people. Um, I think you're helping with two things. I think you're giving a way new career path for folks that are looking from the outside and go, whoa, whoa, this construction thing's real digital. It's real offsite. It's, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. Um, but you're also rearming and retooling that group and, and they're going to need to continue to have that work right for your employees that even don't change. It's not like it's going to go away. So that's awesome. Now, I want to dig in a little bit to the reality, you know, of this operational change, um, because a lot goes into it. It didn't just happen overnight. You don't just go, okay, new ERP, we're data centric. I've now got everybody aligned and we're cool. It's done. That doesn't happen. So talk to me a little bit about the reality of that operational change and some of the things you did to facilitate that over the year that it took. Yeah. So, um, you know, Change is change or change management is the result of a solution. So, you know, creating a solution, creating your new path, your new way, what change do we need to have? And so you can't have operational change without changing the way your people are aligned and streamlining your processes. So one of the things that we had to look at uh, is within our VDC group, we have a group of about 75, 80 people. Right now, between construction technologists, uh, training and development people, BDC managers and BIM designers and surveyors. So we really, we looked at from an operational standpoint, pulling those out, they used to sit in our individual geographies and were supervised or, or managed by the construction businesses. We pulled all of that in out of our construction businesses into what we call one center of excellence. And so having everybody in one center it allows you to operationally look at it and say, what's the infrastructure we need to support this? What kind of training resources? How are we going to train? Um, which fantastic over the last few years, we've really been able to leverage, you know, video and to be able to get together more frequently to train, to train, but also just the organizational structure of we created VDC project managers. They didn't exist in our organization before so that we can have tighter communication with the project managers in the construction businesses. So all of those operational changes, you know, we had to, we had to run with it for a while and then do some strategic planning to say, okay, this is, this is the beast we're trying to slay. How do we need to organize our group to properly manage this change. Uh, so I think that that's really important is you can't change change everything dramatically and then not look at your how your teams are aligned and how your processes are because you need new processes. People are interacting with your team in different ways. We're moving to a model-led workflow. That model-led workflow has to be documented and then trained within the VDC Center of Excellence, but also to the construction team project managers and superintendents so that there's new workflows that didn't exist before. And all of that has to be really well thought through and implemented and trained and communicated over and over and over again. 
I, you 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 broke down a lot of things there, and I and I want to I want to come back. I mean, you you hit on this earlier. You created new jobs already, VDC managers. That's that's already fulfilling some of the things you talked about before. But you know, we've always said in construction tech, especially, that it's people, process, and technology. Now. You guys did that in an order, but did it out of order as well so that the order would work. And I know I just confused everyone listening, but but if you heard what Randy said was that I heard you guys identified and analyzed the, the people that you needed, the process that you needed, then found the solutions, but looped back and installed those solutions, got those solutions well worked out before you rolled them out. So that when you rolled them out, it, it it you didn't hit all the hiccups. Some folks, you know, you didn't do the ready, fire, aim, and then have everybody hate it. Yeah. Did I capture that that's how you did it? Yeah, I think you did. I think you made it sound a little bit easier than it was. <laughs> we didn't roll it out with no problems, you know, of course not. Um, I think that, you know, there were some bumps along the way, but I think bumps are ne- necessary. I think when you don't have a bump, you're like, is this something not working right? Did we not think of something? You know, so I think there's growing pains and they make you better and you can you can see what's going on and shift. But it is that feedback loop that you have. And, you know, there's um, I've studied a lot of design thinking and um, like the business model canvas and all of all of that. And really understanding that you have to understand what your customers want, you know, and our customers from a from our our virtual design and construction, construction technology group, our customers are our project teams, our superintendents and our project managers. So we've created something that we can think that can serve them well, but then at some point we need to say, is this serving you well, right? And make sure that there's not something that we're missing or not hearing from them, because that's why we're here. We're all here to serve the construction businesses. They're the ones that have the really hard job on site, day in and day out to build that building. So how can we serve them in a way to to make their job easier, to provide them with the data and the information that they need? And also, how do they interact with us? You know, we've realigned our teams, but is that working? Do they appreciate that or could they offer something that we hadn't thought about yet? So that feedback loop is really important. Yeah, no, I didn't I didn't mean to minimize it. And I think you nailed it there. It it having a good strategy that's going to effectively get you off the ground is good. You're going to have bumps. In fact, if you don't, what we've found or I've found is just go back and look. That means they're just not using it. Right. Just going around. If you have no, if there's no feedback, it's just not being used and they're, they're finding a way around it. Um, Yeah. Silence is scary. Yeah. Silence. (laughs) And, and, and usually a good indicator that something's not right. Um, And probably more wrong than you think. But I really like that, uh, and I've heard this, we had Sam Hamilton from Encore Electric on in the first season, and their company does the same thing, services the field. You're built to service the field. Some feel like that's creating a new link. I actually think you're really putting the right people in the right place with the right process. Um, And, you know, that servant mentality really can help that organization. And, and you do have to go back and double check on things and, and you're not going to get it. Nobody's going to get it right the first time. In fact, you're not going to have it right in 10 years. There's still going to be you or whoever you leave this to when you, when you move on to greener pastures, that's going to continually improve. Right. Absolutely. And you, one of the things 
TD Industries was is based and founded in servant leadership. We do a tremendous amount of servant leadership training. And so I think that does um, facilitate and make some of our conversations easier because we do realize that we're here to serve each other and foundationally, fundamentally here to serve the field. Well, that's awesome. And I, I think I could continue this on forever, but I want to give you an opportunity to give anybody listening in on all the topics we've talked about or anything else that's going on out there in your mind. Um, give them a little bit of final thoughts from Randy. Final thoughts is we're in a really exciting time right now. You know, the convergence of processes and tech and digital transformation. So, you know, lean into that. Don't be afraid of it. Find your experts around you um, and make it a part of your strategy so that you can exist in the future. I think that would be one of my final thoughts. Um, another thing is that change is hard. You know, don't hate the change maker, but how can you work together to align, to own the same problem and align on the path forward so that you can move faster and build more trust? I think those are the, the two things I would leave with. Normally I jump in and say something there, but I'm not gonna, where can, that was perfect, Randy, where can people connect with you and TD Industries? Well, TD Industries has a website, tdindustries.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, um, just Randy Heron. Um, so either place is great. Well, that's awesome. I want to thank you for joining me and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Disjointed. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. To learn more about Disjointed or read the show notes, just stop by disjointed.fm. This show is brought to you by Join, the decision-making platform for the built environment. Learn more at join.build.